0: Good morning you guys and welcome to according to courtney here on according to courtney we go over all subjects such as black maternal health mental health filling your cup sex and everything in between i'm courtney west i'm a full spectrum doula i am a full um a pediatric nurse. And I, what I love to do is have conversations about subjects that are really meaningful to my heart that I, and things that I've learned from being a doula and a birth worker as a nurse, and have conversations that a lot of times we just don't get a chance to have in the black community and having a safe space to do it. So that you go ahead you bring your cup and bring something with your tea, your coffee or something stronger, and you get to, you know, learn and get some new knowledge today. So today, what we're gonna go over is like preterm birth and what that looks like. And what is preterm birth? Preterm birth is defined as a live birth before 37 completed weeks of gestation. Some other classifications of preterm birth include late preterm birth, which is between 34 to 36 weeks. Then we have very preterm, I mean, um, moderate preterm birth, which is between 32 and 36 weeks. And then very preterm birth, which is 32 and less. These classifications are useful because they often correspond with the clinical characteristics and increasing morbidity or illness with decreasing gestational age. Babies born too soon are often too small and while their preterm births and low birth weights may be different in some cases, there's significant overlap within the population of infants. So, I want you to understand what that looks like. So, you're having these babies super early, and the earlier you're having your baby, the higher chance that you're having issues with your child. I want to give you the statistics that were from 2021, and this is from March of Dimes. In 2021, one in 10 babies, 10.5 of live births, were born preterm in the United States. Um, The rates for preterm birth in the United States are the highest for Black infants at 14.4. Followed by American Indians and Alaskan Natives at 11.8, Hispanics at 10%, Whites at 9.3, and Asia-Pacific Islanders at 9%. Compared with singleton births, that's having one baby, multiple births in the United States are about seven times likely to have a preterm birth. And this was in 2021. So I want you to look at that number. So you've got 14.4, and we're comparing, say, that Black women are dying four times the rate of their white counterparts. And it's like, what is going on in our community that this is happening? But even more importantly, about what's going on, what is that like? And I wanna take the time that, not just hearing it from my perspective as a birth worker, but from someone who's lived it, that journey, and understands the you know, the outcomes of that. And we have our guest today, her name is Brianna Hickman. She is a mom who's went through this experience, who's gonna come to say, share her story. So I'm excited to bring Bri into the space. Good morning, Ms. Rihanna. How are you? Hey, good morning, girl.
1: I'm
0: doing great.
1: How are you this morning? I'm doing great.
0: So thank you so much for being in the space with me today. And I want to have you enter the space like I do my other guests. So I'm going to ask you three questions. And the first one is, what's your name? Meaning, where's your name from? What's the origin? Where are you from? Where, meaning, where are your people from? And then what is your expectation, what would you like to bring into the space today? What knowledge would you like to have? So I'm going to give it to you, so so you can introduce to everyone who you are.
1: Well, hey, y'all. Um, I am Brianna Hickman. Um, I'm a registered nurse, uh, case manager, and a supervisor uh, at a home health company, but I have done a hospice. I've done um, a, a charge nurse in a hospital during long-term care, you name it. Um, where is, my name actually means strength, actually. So that's another topic of discussion. Um, and where am I from? Well, Courtney is my cousin, so I'm a tribe of her. Uh, so we are um, a tribe of strong, wonderful women and we are promoting and we're gonna continue on this legacy that we have, so.
0: Good morning, guys. And what are your intentions for today what do you want to leave it what do you want to bring in the space
1: oh well my intentions are to create um awareness and a a safe place for nicu mothers um i know going through my experience um there wasn't really that much of an outlet to talk to other nicu mothers and uh learn about what the process was about and it's kind of like i was just Going in blindly and had to learn everything, you know, on my own. So, um, just you know, that you're not alone, and that you know, if ever you think that I shouldn't be feeling like this, honestly, it's it's a it's it's through the process, and it's normal through the process, um, and it's okay to feel like you may be down or you know, it may be like I don't really connect with my baby. Like it's, it's okay, it's the all normal feeling. so. so You are safe here and if you need someone to connect with hey
0: i'm here i love it so thank you so much so i want to go into all of that that was a lot to want to bring into the space so i want us to back up a little bit and kind of open the forum of giving some information about your birth experience so let's start out like how was your pregnancy and what was your pregnancy like to get you to your NICU experience
1: yeah so um My pregnancy was actually pretty good. Um, My doctors always told me that I was having a healthy, perfect pregnancy on on their end. Um, The only thing is I was working 12, 13 hours on the hospital floor at that time. So trying to like manage patient care and mommy care (laughs) were a little bit difficult at times, but for the most part it was healthy. Um, It wasn't until my water broke unexpectedly um, that's when all the, ter- all the corners had turned. Um, and so uh, my baby Zaire, Lil Z, uh, he was born at 24 weeks and five days. So um, like you were given the stats earlier, um, he had a less than 10% survival
0: rate. Mm, that's so crazy. So like you were just stating, so you didn't have any pre-existing conditions except for you were working quite a bit and you and a lot of people don't understand when you're working in the yeah. medical field how stressful that is like not being a nurse is yeah. a super stressful job you're in charge of life and death giving medications and you're dealing with multiple bodies so you're constantly moving people grabbing yes. people doing medications so it's a lot of strain on the body more so than some other professions so but again right. your doctor said that you were fine
1: yes yeah. Correct. Yeah. I was healthy through whole pregnancy. um, I was anemic, but it was ironic because my anemia had actually resolved when I was pregnant with Z. (laughs) Um, So I wasn't diabetic, didn't have any hypertension issues, uh, wasn't having infection, nothing. Um, So when I, you know, winded up in the hospital, they were all like, well, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, you tell me what I'm doing here, you know? So, yeah
0: so when you were into the hospital what was that process so your water broke yeah you came into the hospital so what happened like what um, was that process like
1: yeah so um my water broke um late night when uh me and daddy were doing some extra activities. um but <laughs> uh, water broke uh, of course you know we were both petrified i kind of now I knew because uh again nursing background hey something's going on i need to go ahead and get to the hospital i started seeing a lot of blood coming out so at that moment i was concerned that maybe it was so early that i was having a miscarriage so um also uh, uh so we went to the hospital of course and at first they were like oh you didn't you know you're you're good we're gonna just check you um, we, don't, we don't think that you you know got enough water out you can go back home and i was like no like let's just check me check my fluid let's see what's really in there because i'm still having pain i'm still bleeding so finally um the doctor came in they were like okay we're gonna check you and um the the uh, radiologist tech who came in he kind of like was looking at me but you know he didn't want to say nothing because that's not his job to say anything yet so the doctor actually gets there So then the doctor comes in and uh, she's like, okay, sit down. (laughs) Um, She was like, you know, you're having dry labor right now. All your fluid is gone. And she was like, because you're so early, um, we have to, you know, you have to stay here for at least nine weeks until it's time for the baby to come. So of course me being a busy body and one, you know, I'm a nurse and I like to do everything all at once and stuff. I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> so, um, but finally, you know, I talked with my look, Miss Courtney I had talked with my man at the time. And, you know, we had um, agreed this is the best thing for the baby. So um, I reluctantly had to stay there and um, throughout that process, they had to, you know, go through a thorough examination about me and the baby. Um, they had to give me what's called surfactant. Uh, which is a medication to help the baby's lungs develop because at that time um, before I think it's uh, 32 weeks or something like that, the lungs aren't fully developed. Mm -hmm. So you have to give you medication, you have to give you um, the antibiotic that is the shots in your booty um, to prevent any infections as well. If you do have labor during that time to prevent anything coming from the birth canal to get to the baby. Mm -hmm. So go ahead.
0: So your surfactant levels are fully developed at 37 weeks. So you're still having, uh, you you know, you're still, it's, and you're, and people have to, I want you to repeat again. How many weeks that year was born?
1: 24 weeks and five days. So
0: So. when I, that is extremely preterm, preterm, preterm baby. So you know, at that age, the baby can't withstand doing anything mm-hmm. by themselves. So this is a really big deal. When you were in the hospital, because now let's, you know, back up. You know, you're in the hospital, you know, you talked with your with your family, you talked with your your group about, you know, what was best for you and your baby. What was going through your mind at that time?
1: Um honestly panic because I of the medical background, I kind of knew that you need to go two ways. Either you know everything would go good. I stay in the hospital for nine weeks. I also was thinking about work, um, you know, paying my bills, <laughs> um, and then also I thought about am I gonna lose my baby? You know, it's like um, I just got to see my bump start showing and start to feel him kicking and. Um, going through that, you know, that, that new kind of motherlyhood phase. And so now it was like, well, is this all going to be worth nothing? Like, am I just going to lose everything? So it kind of was a little uh, depressing state as well. And a worry set in. Um, so it was, it was a lot of emotions going on there. Okay.
0: So I want you guys to bring us from you being accepted into the hospital annoying a realization that you had to stay to you to the birth of Zaire, what happened in that transition?
1: So um, the first couple of days, everything was fine. I just did a visit daily checks our daily checkups on me, giving me you know, my medication to keep me stable, um, <clears throat> give me fluids, because I needed to give me a lot of fluids at that time. And, um, i can't sit still so of course i'm you know walking around the hotel i mean the hospital and i'm walking around the hallway talking to nurses i'm asking them to give, give me some work so i can do something because i'm going crazy throughout my, out my mind and um the third the third or fourth day the third, third day um that's when i started having contractions and at first I thought they were Braxton Hicks, which are like false contractions, which you fill them in your bag, you fill them in your, you know, your abdomen. And it's just like, I thought they were going to just be going away. But there's a couple of hours that passed by and the nurse was like, Hey, um, are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. So I was like, can you just put me on a monitor so we can see? Um, and as soon as she put me on the monitor, I saw what are called decelerations on the monitor. So in our school, uh, you have accelerations and variations and you have decelerations. And when you see decelerations, that means that there is not enough oxygen getting to the baby. So when I saw that, I already started instantly crying and I already knew, I'm like, she's like, we have to call the doctor. And I said, I know. And so um, she checked me. um, And then when she checked me, she said, I can see the cord and I see a foot. And so at that moment, I knew, you know, it's, it's, it's go time. So she uh, called on the phone. She was like, we have an emergency section. We got to get, get her now. We got to get her now. And so I uh, quickly called you and I called my child's father. And I said, it's time. Like, you have to get here now. And so as I'm hysterically crying <laughs> on top of that. But um, yeah, so I went in there, um, I was put to sleep, like quickly, Um, they splashed me with some iodine to prevent infection, and um, as when I woke up, the baby was gone, and it was the family surrounding me, um, and I was, you know, wondering where where my baby was. (laughs) Right.
0: It was... It was so wild because, you know, when you called me about, there's you know, about him, you know, you were calling me like, hey, I'm having contractions. There he is. And so go ahead and tell us, you know, you know, it was a lot because I don't know if you remember your cord came out and you were contracting and you caught yourself. And because I was talking to you on the phone, and you're like, yo, you called me, like, the cord's out. I'm having current tractions. This is happening. And I was like, you need to call your nurse because, you know, you were aware enough that there was something going on, but you were the one that saved yourself and saved yeah. your son because you were calling you, like, something, something not right. I don't feel right, I feel like it's too chill, there's too something, something's not going right, and you caught it yourself. And then was rushed off to, you know, deliver this baby. And we just saw some pictures of Zaire. Um, there's a picture of him when he was first, like only a few hours old, and I would like to put that up. Not, there should be, um, that's when he's <laughs> My older,
2: little turkey! When he's a <laughs> baby.
0: It's the one he was uh,
1: in the isolat, um, with the lights
0: on him. It may not have transferred over, but that's okay. So you know, it's um, I want you to bring us to that moment of you first coming to and coming out of this haze of having your baby, not you know, just having a baby. (laughs) You don't have your baby with you at that time. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you feeling? How are you processing everything that's happening?
1: I woke up, all I wanted was my man and my baby. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't care about what else was going on. I wanted to know where my man was and where my, where my baby was. And, um, you know, at that time it was a lot, you know, the nurses in my face, you know, y'all were in my face <laughs> and I be like, I don't care about nothing, you know, I couldn't even see him. Honestly, for the first, um, it took me for the first few hours after delivery because I had to worry about me and making sure that I was stable. And then um, that turned into me, you know, almost being septic as well. So then I couldn't even see him again for another, um, I think it was like 36 hours after that. So
0: can you explain um, to people what septic means. I yes.
1: so okay. I actually um, called my own sepsis uh, <laughs> uh, shock uh, order on, on the hospital. But anyway, so sepsis means that your body basically um, that there is some sort of infection that has um, taken place into your bloodstream. So more than likely, when they cut me open, it was a it was a fast paced Everything was going on. So. They had to like i said do an iodine wash and sometimes that doesn't really get all of the bacteria out of your body so that um stress can cause it as well um, trauma and the body can also cause it so i had all three things going on and um you notice it by either your heart rate can either go really low or really high. Mine was skyrocketed at like 110, 120s. Um, your blood pressure can be affected. Um, your lactic acid is above two, which um, that's a, a marker for like your heart and stuff. Um, also, your respirations, your breathing can, can uh, be start hyperventilating as well um so i kind of already knew myself was going in there i started shaking i had the sweats the tremors um the the cool the coolness so i called my nurse and i was like hey you need to call a sepsis um call a code on me and at that time you know it's labor and delivery and i i don't think most labor and delivery no- nurses are were aware of what a sepsis code was because they're not you know, that's not what their normally day-to-day thing is. So um she's like, well, "What? what is that? And I was like, I was like breaking it down to her. And I'm like, hey, I'm having this. I'm having that. I'm having that. I need these vibes drawn, like call the sepsis code now. And so um the sepsis code came in there and they was like, well, why are we here? And I kind of had to explain to them, well, <laughs> isn't this, you know, the, the, the significance of what a sepsis is and she was like oh yeah i was like please can you just shake my my life it?" and it was above
0: two and she was like oh well good thing that you called so i want to take (laughs) time to just process what you just said okay yes so now this is the second time you've saved your own life you're on a maternal you're on a birth floor and here's the deal we're about to talk about transparency right now it is our job as nurses and especially in that space doing postpartum to look for those things
1: it is yeah and so
0: <laughs> here's we're going to be very honest with it now they may not call it a sepsis code but you were serious seeing signs of sepsis as yes. you being a nurse me seeing you as your doula and also as a nurse where i'm like hey this is what this is It is their job to notice, hey, if you're having fevers and chills, you're spiking, there's something wrong. Even if you're not sure what it is, there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. And then once again, you are saving your life and no one understands Mm -hmm. why you're saving your life. You had to walk someone through the steps of saving your life after having a traumatic birth and you having to save your son's life to just get him here because no one's really listening what that is. Uh, So, and I love that, how you put this, there's a question, wow, what would you, an unexpected mother do without this type of training? A lot of times what happens is that we have those maternal mortality rates or those infant mortality rates. That's exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. The mother dies and the baby dies. And then it's just written in a report that, oh, they were sick or their body just couldn't handle it. And that's it. Mm -hmm. No one gets into the details of what these things are. And that's what makes Bree's story so different in a way because of her medical background has now saved her life and her son's life twice in one hospital stay so it was very difficult as a doula and as a medical professional to be having these conversations and showing up like hey we're seeing this and they're like oh okay and if it wasn't for brianna's due diligence of these are my signs and symptoms this is what's going on with my body and having to play that nurse card to get things done she wouldn't be here and i can say for myself as a dual, it's very important that we stay in our roles but the things with advocating for black and brown people sometimes when you have that extra education it's like hey wait a minute <laughs> I'm not telling you what to do, but I need you to listen to what is going on here. Listen to the client. Listen to the patient. She is telling you X, Y, Z. You're not, you're not, you don't see anything wrong with this. And you're having to remember to stay in role because I had to move in the role as her doula, Mm. not as her best friend, not as her cousin, not as anything more than her advocate and the same those spots and still emotionally be inside of, I can't cry right now. I can't, I can be here and hold space for her and advocate for her, but I can't have that emotional piece to this right now because that's not going to help that situation
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the difficulties that comes with that. So you've had this, this big trauma, you're now better and you're able to see your son. Hmm. What is that? What was that process like between him being 24 weeks until you see that you got to see the picture of that little fat turkey baby? What was that process to get there? Whoa. Yes.
3: <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> um,
1: so that's the day he actually came home. So he was actually in the, from birth to home five months. Um, like four months, twenty-eight days, but I said just say five months. Um, so he was actually initially um, he had to be intubated, um, which that means that he had to be on a ventilator and tubes all down his nose and throat. Um, he had to have pick lines, which are long IVs. They put in the baby's little arms. Um, he had to be it's called thermal thermal regulation, so he had to be an isolate with uh, bright. UV lights on him to uh, so that he can regulate his temperature at that time he was so early on that um if he was out in the regular air he would have got too cold and he would he could pass away through that as well too um, they do daily like hourly checks from the baby so they um put him on a, a screen like if to the hospital you would be on um, and here's one of his issues where he had uh, bradycardia so his heart rate would drop tremendously low. And what they do when they they try to like let the baby kind of reset themselves. Um, but if they can't, you know, after a, a matter of minutes then they have to go in there and help them out. Um, so he had to get blood transfusions. Um, he had to actually have a procedure. It's called an MLB, um, which basically looks at the heart flaps um, <clears throat> to make sure that they're opening and closing well, because that's when his heart rate was going too low, they had to make sure that um, that wasn't you know the cause of it. Um, he was on feeding tubes, so we would pump our, um, when I didn't have enough milk, we had to get donor milk and feed him through that, so he was able to suckle on his own. Um,
0: We're going to stop that. (laughs) Well, I just want to give a detail of, like, what that really looks like because people don't know. People don't talk about what that experience is being in NICU. What does that really mean? And during that period of time, what that all entails is, like, it's it's, it's a constant thing. It's, like, life or death all the time.
1: Yes, constantly. Um, You know, certain times where I went to go see him and the machine started beeping. Already, I was already like uh, machine fatigued because after working 12, 13 hours on the floor, I'm constantly hearing all these beeps and alarms and doing all this stuff at my job, and then to have to go into the hospital and then hear them again, it was like I was like all, always, always on, on 10, ready right? like to for, for reaction to happen. So the one times that um, he did actually, his heart rate started to drop. I was kind of like, my heart kind of stopped because I'm trying to hold my breath. So it's like, I don't know, my mind, I'm holding my breath to give him breath, <laughs> you know? Um, so that was a little difficult as well. Um, and just to watch my baby there and not be able to do anything out of my hands and to rely on other people's hands was, I think, one of the difficult things to do. Um, because, like I said, I had to do everything, I like to, to, I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm. so when I see something that's going on and I can't fix it right away it's like well am I doing something is, is it me <laughs> right. but it was just the process of what had to be done in order for him to get better so
0: so and know you've actually kind of guided into this how did this affect you like what from having to be a NICU mom what are some of the side effects that came with that
1: um, so I do have anxiety, <laughs> um, I did have postpartum. Um, it initially at first was, a, you know, tolerable, um, cause I like to like do everything on my own, try to like work through the issues at hand. But I remember calling, calling Courtney and I was like, Hey girl, I think I got postpartum. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, you do and i was like what do i do (laughs) you know because i me admitting defeat means like i thought of myself as a failure you know like i would come home and i felt this void because i didn't have my baby there in the house with me i didn't hear his cries so like it was like at one point i was like well did i have a baby like my body was kind of playing tricks on me because it wasn't a full term so i didn't get to experience the, the latter part of it i didn't i didn't um, i was like it's like ripped out of me you know so it was more it was moments where i would just sit, and um i was like okay i had a baby i know i had a baby i see i look at pictures of my baby but like i couldn't feel him hmm. and so that really took um a lot of effect uh on me
0: oh wow well, thank you for sharing that we're going to take a break right now and we're going to pick up where we left off and also you know what information you would want to give to other parents going through this and go into those portions so we're going to take a music break right now All
3: right. good morning my name is d-ray the producer i am with blast radio 247 and soul res music and first i want to say i am honored to be in the presence of these queen warrior queens as they talk about a very important topic. And uh for our blast artists of the day, our spotlight is Elijah Rosario with Aura. Shoulda known baby, shoulda known
2: baby, shoulda known baby, shoulda known, shoulda known, known. It's your mind, it's your wave, it's your aura. Get to know you, wanna get to know ya, wanna get to know ya. By the way you work those hills, you'll be dressed to kill, wanna get to know ya, wanna get to know. It's your mind, it's your wave, it's your aura. Wanna get to know ya, wanna get to know. By the way you work those hills, you be dressed to kill, wanna get to know ya, wanna get to know. I'm taking your style, I love it when you smile Any room you walk into, girl you always shut it down Got a cold bottle shake, when you walk I see it shake Wanna take it off this plate, come and take a ride with me Girl if you just give me time, I'll invest your mind if I brought you flowers for no reason, would you mind? may love just how you want it. Cook breakfast every morning. Before you go to work, we get it popping, got you moaning. It's your mind, it's your wife, it's your aura. Wanna get to know you. Wanna get to know you. By the way, you work those hills, you'll be dressed a kill. Wanna get to know you. It's your mind, it's your wave, it's your aura Wanna get to know you, wanna get to know By the way you were those hills, you be dressed to kill Wanna get to know you, wanna get to know I need you in my life Cause the way you make me feel Flies. I said I want you as my own Please let it be known I'm chasing you Cause I'll follow you through heaven and hell Just to be close to you It's all I wanna do Cause you know It's your mind, it's your wave, it's your aura Wanna get to know you Wanna get to know you by the way, you work those hills, you be dressed to kill. Wanna get to know you. Wanna get to know you. It's your mind, it's your wave, it's your aura. Wanna get to know you. Wanna get to know you. By the way, you work those hills, you be dressed to kill. Wanna get to know you. Cause it's your, cause it's your, it's your mind, it's your wave, it's your aura. Wanna get to know you, wanna get to know you. By the way, you wear those hills, you'll be dressed to kill. Wanna get to know you, wanna get to know. It's your mind, it's your wave, it's your aura. Wanna get to know you, wanna get to know. By the way, you wear those hills, you'll be dressed to kill. Wanna get to know you, wanna get to know.
3: And that was Elijah Rosario with Want to Get to Know You. He is one of many Blast artists on BlastMusic247.com. And if you are an independent artist, comedian, or even a spoken word artist, and you're ready to get your art out there to the community, go to BlastMusic247.com, and create a profile, and let's get your art out to the community. BlastMusic247.com, changing the industry one artist at a time. And now back to according to Courtney.
0: Thank you so much. So we have a rule here on my show: we do all baby-making music unless the subject is super heavy. Then we'll do something uplifting. But you know, babies pay the bills over here, so mm-hmm. you know, you, oh, these come, come, come. We do it. We're having a baby book with my cousin. There you go. Know, you know, three gyms, birth services. We all here trying to make this money and one mm-hmm. baby at a time. So back to this subject, and it's a very heavy topic of about you know how having a preterm birth really affects the health of the mom so i want to kind of recap with you guys this week we're just getting back in that you know you had a preterm baby at 24 weeks oh my goodness super tiny baby and then having to have a five month stay in the hospital you have already had to save the life of your child you know multiple times and then also the life of yourself twice and then also having to go inside of the hospital of working in a hospital doing 12 13 hour shifts and then turning around and having to go back into the hospital to take care and be there with your own child and the anxieties and effects of being there and having to trust other people to take care of your child during his decelerations and what we're telling people what that means is that's when your heart rate drops down and having to watch him have to learn how to reset himself and watch him be on someone else's timer on, well, you can be without oxygen for this long, let's see what you do. And then, okay, now we're gonna help you. And the determination factors that come with that. And, you know, in your state, how do you feel the care that Zaire got from his nurses? Um, Actually,
1: yeah, we had a uh, one nighttime nurse, uh, I think her name was Amanda she was amazing she was very thorough she got us updated um she she like i would bring little clothes that you could see for him and she would make him look cute and dress him up she would you know tell me if there was a problem right away like i loved her um i did have to fire a couple of them Mm -hmm. uh because they just weren't doing what i needed them to do (laughs) um as far as like now i would i would go in there and they would uh like, crack the door open and, like, oh, you good? And I'm just like, can you come in the room? Like, can we have a conversation? Can we talk about what's going on with my baby first before you just shut me off and keep going? Um, so uh, that was that. Uh, a couple other times, you know, the doctors wanted, you know, we had a, a couple back and forth, but for the most part, it was good. Um, I just, For uh, people that don't know, it's called NEC, which is uh, necrotizing intercolitis. So that was one of my biggest uh, risks for him as well, because our family already has uh, kind of dairy, um, We're kind of dairy, uh, what's the word?
0: We have allergies to dairy. dairy. We don't digest dairy well in our family, and that's actually not uncommon with black and brown people. So a lot of times... When they're giving formulas and things to fix our children Correct. they're giving them things that are very loaded in dairy not Correct. by mistake and therefore it actually causes other issues in our mm-hmm. systems especially when babies are that young they can't Correct. process dairy like that
1: and yeah, in our so, family even
0: more so we do not process dairy like Right. That. yeah so that
1: was one of the things i was watching out with the doctors as well too because they were giving him you know a mix of breast milk and formula and I was just kind of really concerned about, you know, I don't want him to develop that because that would equal a longer stay in the hospital. Who got time for that? So uh, yeah, but uh yeah, Zayir so came out a pound one pound 14 ounces. Um, and it was up and down battle. But I'm glad that we did have the nurses that we did and the care that we did have. And I was able to have a rapport with those people because um, I knew that even when I, I wasn't there at those times, that he was taken care
0: of. So. Beautiful. It's so good to hear that. I would like you to, you know, give advice to people who are trying to support or how to support a family of a NICU, of a preterm baby. What does that support really need to look like? um so everyone sees me like this strong person whatever
1: you know and they're like oh you're strong you can you got this you know and it's like but i needed people to actually be there you know they even say anything you know you just needed to be there be in the presence give space and to if i did say that i needed you to be there just to just to show up you know and sometimes um people don't know what to say and that's why they tend to um, push away or stay, stay far back from you. And just your presence alone will make a difference. Um, you know, being outside of the hospital and being in, in postpartum, you know, sometimes you don't even want to eat. You don't want to drink. You don't want to do anything but worry about your baby and, you know, do the the daily things around the house and you don't want to do that either. So, Hey, if you like having a mom going through a postpartum and having a, a NICU baby say, Hey, I can come over, I can, you know, do dishes one day, or I can cook you a meal and just have that there for you. Or you need, you know, you got other kids, I'll pick up the day from school for you. You know, things like that to make a difference and say, Hey, I got you, you know, go ahead and go through your processing yourself so that you can be prepared for not only you, but for this baby that like you have to get ready to come home to. Um, and that coming home transition is no joke. <laughs> um, because, you know, Hanna School, they have them um, on a very, you know, strict, every hour, a couple of hours, you know, uh, programming. So when you get home, it's like, you have to kind of come down to what your daily programming is as well too. And you may have, a lot of sleepless nights a lot of stressors at home with you and your partner um and and that can be a lot too so being there for those people you know doing those little small tasks um there's also if you know people like apps and stuff there's a it's called peekaboo icu and it kind of helps you um do like the weekly reports of where your baby should be and it kind of like you can input little details about like your nicu team um and like what's going on and check the pro- process the progress of your, of your child as well
0: too that's awesome so as a nicu mother yourself what is something you would tell other nicu families
1: um it's okay you know um i know that i had moments where i would just cry in the shower just because that was my alone time to process everything and you know it's okay to scream it's okay to yell it's okay to cuss do what you have to do in order to process everything because it's not nothing you know simple this is a difficult task this is you this is your child that you have to watch fight every single day and it's out of your hands so um learn to meditate Learn grounding <laughs> if you have somebody that you can go to and just talk with and vent to them and just say, hey, I don't need you to say anything. I need to just talk and get this off my mind. And, you know, and and, and sometimes that's enough. Um, you know, if there is people who, that you know, that have gone through the same thing and you could just sit with them and just discuss your stories. Um, that also helps as well. Getting out of the house. <laughs> get your butt out the house don't sit in that house don't simmer in that too long because if you simmer in it it will deter you away and you won't have you anymore mm-hmm. um so you know just but you have to go through it you have right. to go through it
0: i think a big part of what you said and i can say from that time was building a tribe yeah. is so important it's just having space of a safe space knowing that you could talk to other parents. And what I really encourage other NICU families is that build a tribe. Like a lot of times you would expect the hospital to have like NICU groups for you to be able to have. And I want to really like press on this. This was during 2020. So it was during the height of the pandemic. So there was nothing. We were just out here winging it for ourselves. Even us, you know, I had a space where we did have meetings and did have mother's groups so that you could come and facilitate and build a tribe. And all of that had to stop because the pandemic had shut life down. Mm -hmm. So now that we are outside again, it is important that you're having these safe spaces to have tribe, have communications. If you don't have a NICU group, build one so that Mm -hmm. you can have people who are like you having these conversations, because it's hard to have conversations like this with people who've never experienced what it's like to be a NICU parent. It's hard if you haven't been in that situation. I know for myself as a pediatric nurse, I got into this work as doula from dealing NICU. Um, I would do NICU transfers. So when the families were transferring home, I would go into the NICU and help them pack up their babies and transfer them home and get them acclimated into that adjustment period and what that's like. the severe postpartum that comes with it, the anxiety that comes with it, because now there is no buttons, there is no alarms, but you hear the alarms, or sometimes we're bringing their alarm (laughs) with you. And, you know, the parents just to be so disturbed and Mm. so traumatized that they don't know what to do and learning how to, now it's on you to save your child, to make it work, to figure this out. And, you know, in some cases you do have the transition of having to have nursing at home. I know for Zaire, they have mentioned that and it's very blessed that as a family that we do this. I am a PEAS nurse. I was like, I'll quit my client. Oh, he can come home. We we will make this work. We are overly equipped to take on a pediatric child, but that is not the case for most people. They don't have that built-in community of, this is what we do and we will figure it out. But um, you know, I want people to know, you know, it feels like a lonely road, but it doesn't have to be. Um, Mental health is real. Like maternal morbidity is real. Like having depression from this, and anxiety from this is real. And to give yourself grace, and to give yourself space with that. And you know, having someone support you. So let me ask, you know, it's one of them things, not as your cousin, but as gentle, (laughs) having a doula was helpful during your pregnancy and going through this.
1: Yes, um, I feel like uh, there were other stressors at that time um, as far as family dysfunction. Um, And so then we had, you know, our grandmother was sick at that time as well, too. So it was like so many stressors. And then, like you said, we were getting ready to get into the, we were, this was the end of 19 going to 2020 so this was the, the the start of the pandemic so mm-hmm. um and then having like i said working in the hospital with the start of the pandemic as well and being so afraid to bring something back to my baby <laughs> so yes i do feel like you know having you uh was helpful because like i said i would just call you but hey girl just just, talk, just listen right quick <laughs> and just let me just tell you what's going on and then you know Yes, I did have the medical background, but sometimes you just need um, a listening ear, that support system
0: to say, "Hey, I got you. It's okay." I'm glad, and I feel like I always like really, really press for everyone to have a doula of some sort. You know, look into your community. If you have a Healthy Start program that offers free doulas, take it. Look into your computer and your communities to see that it doesn't mean if it's student doulas, that's what it is. But look into your doulas, especially you know as black and brown people, you know, this is, this is the real, these are our numbers. This is what is happening. And this is happening at an astronomical rate. We're having the preterm babies We're having these things, but, you know, making, having support has been proven to make a difference in this. And Mm -hmm. even though, and in some cases are like breeze, everything was perfect. Everything was good and things still happen. But having someone to be in those spaces and, and be in those spots, Make a difference. You know, family dysfunctions are real in any pregnancy. You know, sickness is real through any pregnancy. Those things happen, and so as a doula, you're there to, you know, kind of play defense, offense in those situations, and be like, okay, all those are things are happening, but we're having a baby, and mm-hmm. to keep the focus on this is the task at hand. This is what's going on. Um, is it harder? Absolutely, but it's about having to separate the three or four different things and just hold space for the person and not have to you know, worry about your own things. And I even employ that to people who are doing doula work for your own family members. You have to keep that in mind. Like just because you're working together doesn't mean that everyday family things aren't gonna come up. They're gonna come up even more. And so you have to really tell the line of what are we doing and remembering to stay in your field of work. Mm -hmm. and i think that was the balance with us uh, a lot of times and i would tell you okay i'm talking to you as your doula right now other times i'm like i'm talking to you as your cousin right now Mm -hmm. i'm talking to you as my friend right now i'm talking to someone who loves you all the way around right now and i'm talking to you as nurse to nurse right now and just having that very clear distinct boundaries of where you're coming from and what toolkit that you're coming out of i feel like is very important as a doing this. So we have a question that's come up. Is it difficult disciplining your child (sighs) Okay, so we need to talk about who Zaire is now. Okay, so let us give us an update of who (laughs) Zaire is now before I answer this question. Because this is like a double entendre get you in trouble question. So Zaire (laughs) now My little Leo He is four He is healthy he is feisty. Yes. He can read. He <laughs> runs. He is tall. He is strong, <laughs> and his vernacular is something killer. Okay. Yeah. When I say yeah. you look at him, you would never know he was a NICU baby. You would never know. You would yeah. never know. He is something so special. You know, I'm gushing from auntie perspective because <laughs> he is. Everybody knows Zaire is my baby. We <laughs> share this child together. I was like, okay, I'm your auntie, grandma, sister, cousin, friend, all the things, <laughs> and this is my baby. So he knows he's TT's everything, everything, everything. So Against all
1: eyes.
0: <laughs> so it is all the things. So I will say as the auntie, yes, I, I, um, I am guilty of letting my sweet, sweet nephew get everything, come home with lots of toys and gifts and stuff and stuff. My partner is even worse. We can't even, if I yell or him or raise my voice or one of us go to discipline him, he snatches in and that's my baby. How could you never? So in this household, yes. It is it's it's it's, it's, it's 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 a problem and I know it's a problem. It's it's a problem. So yes. I will let his mother answer that from her perspective <laughs> because I know over there. It's a <laughs> nah. Um
1: that's my sunshine, you know, my light, my moon, my stars. Um throughout the process there was a lot of therapy. There were a lot of doctors' visits and everything like that. And it's like, like you said, everybody wanted to spoil him because he was doing all these things that he had to, you know, manage up to certain levels at certain times. So when you got around the family or the cousins and the friends, they wanted to do all these things for him, give him all these gifts. And yes, mommy spoiled him as well, too. Um, so now, because he is, uh, we call him my little Peter. Uh, he's my little Peter. Um, he uh, thinks that he can do whatever, whenever. And so we kind of have to let him know that, you know, not in this whole household, you cannot do whatever, whenever. You know, you, you can have, you know, a little a bit of assertiveness, but we got to do it respectfully. So um, that is the uh, challenge that we have sometimes. But he is a sweetheart because so he'll flip it and he'll be like, I love you. You make me so happy, mommy. And then he'll
0: come and give you like a big old hug and a little, a little tart. <laughs> He's a special kid. He definitely is. I know being a pediatric nurse, I work with with these that population of children. That's who I take care of. And it mm-hmm. is different. They are used to being cared to, especially when you have 24-hour nursing and you have, or your parents, and we do try to overcompensate and we don't, and we, they get lots of attention. And so they, there is a different expectation they have for us to show up and be. And, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing though. I I, I have no problems with it. And I, I'm very thankful that we were able to move like that with him. And then also he's, you know, so healthy and he's so happy and it's such a blessing, you know that he's here. And you know, I it's such a blessing that you are here and that you could advocate for yourself and that you had those abilities that most people don't have. And that's why I really wanted to share your story because this is happening so often because people wonder, you know, where does black mortality happen? How does this happen? This is how it happens. Yes. This would be a different story if you didn't have the education that you had, that you didn't have support that you had, that you didn't know what you knew.
2: Mm -hmm. your
0: story would be like so many other stories and it just gets swept under the rug and the family members most of the time don't have the education and the knowledge base to know, no, this is what really happened to my wife. No, this is what really happened to my baby until someone who has the medical expertise can say, did you know they died from sepsis? Did you know that Mm -hmm. they had severe high blood pressure? Did you know they're having fever and chills? And so so many parents and moms this is their story and it's they wait till they're so bad that they don't know and they can no longer speak for themselves or have anyone there to speak for them so you know it's important that we're in these spaces and that we have that knowledge place and if you are not a nurse that you do have get some childbirth education that's important take a class it's important get a doula have someone there to advocate for you even if you want to do a birth that you don't have someone else in the room take a course beforehand so that you're able to know what are you know what could happen what's out there and then also you know find groups having moms groups are really important you want to be able to be like hey is this normal is this not normal and yeah. just have share space for that you know do you feel like because you did have that during your pregnancy do you feel like- yes. Tacos! Yes. So at this time I actually had a, a safe space and it was beautiful. That was a perinatal safe space that once a week we were open and we're open for 12 hours and people could drop in and we would have mom's groups. We would do lactation and then also just a safe space for pregnant moms to drop in and say, hey, I just need to talk to somebody. I just need to be heard or hey, I'm this amount of weeks. What is normal? What isn't normal? And, you know, having that to do that um, from different families made different differences or to have those education classes, like, hey, we don't know what to know. Or if they knew they were going to have a NICU baby, they were able to sit down and say, "What? To, what is there to be expected? And have someone who has knowledge enough to teach them and show them. So three would come waddling in there every week around lunchtime. and So we planned our lunches around... Rihanna's cravings during that pregnancy, so it, Tacos it, and Thai food, yes, it became a thing that, you know, she was just loved up because that was my cousin and they're like, okay, and she was treated like every other mom, I was like, okay, what's up? Well, how are you doing? And we were checking in, hey, we're, should we should be doing this? Are you feeling this? What's going on with you? And it just was a safe space to, you know, literally come have a cup of tea, eat some good food, get some birth knowledge and just enjoyed the space. Uh, You know, unfortunately, due to COVID, um, I closed that space, but I am looking to do it again and, you know, finding the fundings and the spaces for it. So anyone has a building in St. Petersburg, Florida, in the CRA, in the Southside St. Pete, that they want to give to Wraparound Care, holler at me. You want to give donations to Three Gems Birth Services so we can build these spaces again, holler at me because I can say during the community, that was one of the most important things is about having a space for people to be able to drop in, having a space that you can have this education and be given to you, and this is the same education that other people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on. Why don't you have access to it? And you should. So we're getting close to the end. And I thank you so much, Miss Brianna, to have you on here
1: and holding space with
0: us. and. Hopefully we have you again.
1: Yes, yes, I hope so.
0: Do you have any closing words you would like to leave?
1: Uh, let's see. Give yourself grace, be patient with yourself. Um, you know, let your, just let yourself go through the moment. Um, it's difficult all around. So no way is the right way, no way is the wrong way. Process it, love on yourself. And it's going to
0: be okay. I love it. So to all you guys, thank you so much for spending your hour with me. I hope you left with some more knowledge than when you came in the door. Remember, you are amazing. You are graceful. You are important. And your words and your thoughts matter. So thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Keep your self-care up. Keep your head high. And until next time. You know, thank you so much being with us. All right, y'all have a good one. Take care now. I found on mute the whole time. I was that on me?